Pray with me if you would. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you this morning for the worshipful music, how you began to open our hearts to, to you and your presence here this morning. God, thank you for the promises in your word that give us strength and hope in life today. Father, thank you that you call us together as family to think about you, to worship you. And so, Lord, I pray this morning as we continue in your word that you would open our hearts to your word today to be challenged by the truth. Uh, that we can truly say that we've heard from you this morning is the greatest thing that we can leave this place with. And so, Lord, I pray this morning for the power of your word to touch our hearts. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. I want to invite you this morning to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, I want to share with you a little bit about meeting needs. You know, every one of us as human beings, we have needs. Uh, God knows that we are certainly a needy people, and yet in His love and grace, He's found the exact way to meet our needs. The greatest of our needs were, uh, was one of forgiveness, uh, one to, to know that we uh, have been forgiven, that our sins are washed away. And He met that need through His own Son, Jesus Christ, And then through Christ, He continues to meet every need that we have. But one of the ways that He does that is He uses His body, the church, believers like you and I, uh, people who love Him and know Him and trust Him. He sent us out to be His representatives. The Bible calls us ambassadors for Christ. We're His representatives in this world. And so God, through His church and through His body, we, we become His appendages, His arms and His eyes, His voice, uh, and His way of ministering to people who have needs. You know, as you look in the Scripture, especially in the Gospels, you see that Jesus continually went through His life and His ministry reaching out to people, meeting their needs, touching their life at the place that they were hurting, reaching out to them with compassion and love, being involved in what his father's business was that he sent him to do. I think that that mandate hadn't changed today. I think that he still intends for his church to be about the father's business. And that father's business is often reaching out to people that have those same kind of hurts and those same kind of needs and reaching out to meet those very things. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus is busy about what he's always been doing. And he's reaching out to a large group of people. Uh, And this large group of people have been following him for a long time. uh, For many hours that day. And it was coming to the close of that day. And uh, as you might expect, like uh, most good Baptists, we get hungry, right? That's why we're going to have a meal after our service today. Is that we get hungry. And so this crowd had been with him a long time and they were hungry. And so Jesus saw into that need and he began to reach out and to meet that need. And he challenged his disciples to step up and to be those uh, instruments that he would use to minister to this large group of people. Uh, Wow, isn't that uh, pretty relevant for us as a church today that 
God works through us and His power and His wisdom to, to reach out to people today. Well, follow along with me, if you will, beginning at verse 34 in Mark chapter 6. And I want us to read and think about this very thing. How did Jesus meet their needs? What's He calling us today in like manner to do as a church? How does He want to use you to be one of His disciples, His followers, and reach out to those who also have needs? Follow along with me at verse 34. And Jesus when he had come out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. Because they were like sheep having a she- uh, not having a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. And then he commanded them to make them all sit in groups on the green grass. And so they sat in ranks and hundreds and and in fifties, and when he had taken the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all, and so they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. And now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Think about that miracle. How wonderful. What did Jesus do in his reaching out? How did he instruct his disciples? What's important about this passage for you and I today? Well, first of all, I want to suggest to you this morning that one of the ways that Jesus saw as he looked at this group of people, the Bible said he had compassion on them. One of the things that he saw or a need that they had was a need to be taught. So there was teaching. Look at verse 34. He says, uh, he says in verse 34, uh, the scripture says, when he saw them and he had compassion on them. Look at the end of verse 34. So he began to teach them many things. You see, Jesus was known and called by the name teacher. Everywhere he went, people would come to him and say, teacher, how about this? Or teacher, how about that? So his whole life was characterized by his teaching ministry. Jesus was someone who who brought the truth of the Word of God into every place that He was at. No matter where He visited, no matter where He went, Jesus Christ was always explaining and sharing the truth of God. One of the ways is His followers that we can be relevant in this world today and we can really have an impact on people's needs is to teach them. Scripture says that people were astonished at His teaching. He commissioned the church to do the same thing, didn't he? He said at the end of his ministry, before he ascended into heaven, he says, not only make disciples, but teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And so we have this mandate. The disciples risked their lives to teach the truth of Scripture. You read the book of Acts. Time and time again, they were brought in, they were arrested, they were persecuted. For what? Teaching the Word of God. Why? Why would they risk that? Because they understood the power of the Word of God and the need that people have to hear the Word of God. Teaching is a gift of the Spirit to grow the church. 
to bring lost people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Parents are commanded to teach their children about the things of the Lord. Older women are also commanded to teach the younger women to love their husbands and their children. Do you realize our music teaches us today? Paul said, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns. You see, teaching is invaluable in the life of the church and ministry to people. When Jesus saw them and He saw their condition, you know what He began to do immediately is to begin to teach them. As we look out in our world and our culture today, one of the greatest needs that we have all around us today is for people to be taught the things of God. To hear about the love of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice. To hear the wisdom of God as it pours out on relationships and families and circumstances in people's lives and the hope that it gives all of us. Let me give you some things about teaching. First of all, teaching is compassionate. Because the Bible says Jesus had compassion on him. The first thing he did is he, he taught him. Listen to what he says. And Jesus, when he had come out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. Now the imagery that Mark uses and that Jesus used is important to understand. When you begin to realize some things about sheep, you'll understand why it's important for them and the reference that Jesus is making and the imagery that it brings to mind. First of all, sheep having no shepherd, listen, they have no direction. No direction. Uh, Look, if you haven't noticed yet, uh, maybe that you've been around some people this week that seem to be clueless about things, that, that seem to be searching, that are confused, that don't seem to know which way to go. The Word of God is like a road map for our lives. It gives us direction. It's, it's the GPS of, of our life as believers and for people that we can find our way from where we are to, to a good place to go. You know, I always, uh, sometimes when I'm traveling, I have GPS on, there's a lot of functions on that, and you can look up places of interest. Uh, you know, the Word of God is full of places that will interest us and things that will interest us if we'll only expose ourselves to it. And so Jesus looked out and He saw a crowd that had no direction. They were just running to and fro. You know what happens when people have no direction or sheep have no direction? They begin to just run and move back and forth and they wear themselves out and they become weary. Sometimes our life is like that, isn't it? That we're weary and we're tired because if we're true, uh, truthful about our situation, maybe we've lacked direction. We've just been going here and there. Sheep without a shepherd are always in danger. In danger. That they're always prey to predators. They can't defend themselves. Have you ever seen a sheep that does combat before? Uh, in Romania, it's really interesting. We went to the school and uh, the kids had a game board in the back and they had this game set up. And I looked at the box and I had to look at it again. And I thought, what? Does that really say that? And I had to read it again. And, 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 and the name of the game was Battle Sheep. Not, not, not Battle Ship, but Battle Sheep. And so I thought, what? 
And, and so I began to look at the game, and sure enough, it had these vicious-looking sheep, rams, you know, and things. But for the most part, sheep can't defend themselves, and they're in danger. And so they need the shepherd to guard them and to look over them. And the shepherd in Scripture in Psalms 23 is pictured with a rod and a staff, and this rod and staff are for protection and for correction for the sheep. And so He protects them from those that would prey on the sheep. The Word of God does that same thing. Our enemy Satan would love to destroy our testimony. He'd love to defeat our lives. He'd love to discourage us from serving God. He he would love to keep us from the blessings that God has for us. And we need a defense against that. And one of the greatest defenses that we have is the Word of God. The, The Bible is our defender. It's our sword. It's our protection. And so when Jesus looked out and He saw the crowd and He had compassion on them, the first thing that He began to do, it wasn't to feed them, but it was to teach them. Teach them things that they needed to know because of the needs they had. You see, teaching is compassionate. Not only is it compassionate, but teaching gives confidence. You see, the more that we grow in the Word of God, the more confident we get in our lives and in ourselves and especially in God. That knowing the Word of God gives us confidence in the God of the Word, in Jesus Christ Himself. Paul says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope might have confidence. You see, it's what the Scripture and the understanding of the Bible brings to our life experience that really raises up in us this hope and this confidence in God. Uh, Maybe the reason that we're not so bold today as believers ready to go out into the world is, is because could it be that we're not so confident or so understanding of the Word of God? Not only does teaching give confidence in teaching... Certainly it's compassionate, but teaching brings clarity. Makes things clear. Jesus describes the multitude as confused. They they needed to know what to do. How often have you found yourself in your life needing to know what to do? You ever ran across a a situation or a circumstance and you were just kind of caught at a place where you just really didn't know what to do? How do I respond to this? How do I react to what I'm going through. You know, Jackie and I, uh, just a few days ago, were talking about a situation that she and I is facing. We don't know what to do uh, in the sense of how to handle it. But we did know what to do in the sense that, hey, we're going to take this thing to God. And we're going to pray about it. And we're going to be in the Word about it. And we're going to seek Him about it. We don't know what to do now. But we know someone who will give us the information that we need to know when the time comes for us to handle the situation. So we've been praying about it. We've been looking in the Word about it. And we've been listening to God about it. And I know that soon God's going to give us an answer. And He's going to make things clear for us on how we need to respond and what we need to do. So I'm excited about that. Even though it's frustrating sometimes not knowing right now what to do. But I know there's coming a day when I am going to know what to do. When I get that answer, it's going to be exciting. So the anticipation is just killing me, right? You guys know maybe about that also. 
But listen, teaching brings clarity to situations that are always or often confusing in our life. You know, we live in a complicated world today. You guys say amen? I mean, you talk about traps and dangers and troubles and tests and trials out there today. We live in, in a time when... Uh, our, our world is full of opportunity for us as believers to want to throw up our hands and say, I quit. And often it's, always, often it's the issue of I just don't see things clearly the way I should. If you're there today, I want to encourage you to stay in the Word. Seek God and what He has and the Scripture will reveal what God wants you to do and how He wants you to respond. And so Jesus began to teach these people. Why? Because they had a need. They had a need. Well, let me give you something else about not only teaching is a way of meeting people's needs, but what else do we need? need, Something else that happened that Jesus was trying to to birth into the disciples, His followers, and that was trust. There needs to be trusting also if we're going to be a part of meeting people's needs or even having our own needs met. Uh, verse 35, what does he say? He says, And when the day was far spent, his disciples came to him and said, uh, This is a deserted place and already the hour is late. You know, they're, they're hungry. What do you want us to do uh, about that? Or how do you want to handle that? And, and so uh, they were coming to Jesus, learning to trust him. Learning to trust him. You see, trust requires personal involvement. We have to be personally involved. It's, it's about our trust in Him. Uh, the Bible says the disciples came to Him and they asked Him the question. And they had a solution themselves, by the way. Uh, and uh, the disciples' suggestion was, uh, Lord, what do you want us to do? And he, they said, well, how about let's just send them away? How, how about that we, we send them out on their own to find their own way and do their own thing. Now remember, Jesus is trying to teach them to trust. To trust Him. And, and so the disciples were saying, well, Jesus, how about, how about we send them out to trust themselves? You know, how often do we go out in the world today trusting ourselves? You know, we take that advice from these disciples. You know, I'll take care of myself. I'll look after my own needs. I'll make my own decisions, my own choices. I'll lead my own family in the way that I think they ought to go. And we forget about trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look, I don't think that we set out intentionally to do that. I don't think that we wake up in the morning and say, Look, I want to forget God and I want to trust myself. But yet somehow that's exactly what we wind up doing. We forget God and we trust ourselves. And so we need to learn that trust. If we're going to minister in this world today as God's people, as His body, as His church, then we have to wholly lean and trust in Jesus Christ. Because He's the only one that can effectually do ministry and change in people's lives. And if we're not trusting Him to do that work, and if we're not following His leadership, then how can we be a part of what He's doing in the world? We won't even know it. We won't even see it and recognize it for what it is unless we're trusting in Him. And so it takes personal involvement in that. And so what does Jesus say to them when they said, well, Lord, why don't we just send them away and let them fend for themselves and uh, uh, let them make their own way. And what does Jesus say? Verse 37, But He answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. He said, Don't send them away on their own. 
but you give them something to eat. Now, you know the disciples are scratching their head. How are we going to do that? What do they revert back to? Well, let's go back to the thinking of the world. How about, we don't have 200 denarii, right? That's two years' wages. And so I think that, that a little bit of humor or a little bit of frustration in the response of the disciples, and the disciples said, and uh, <coughs> back, back to the Lord Jesus Christ, they said, and um, they said, shall we go and buy 200 and their worth of bread and give them something to eat? It's as if, you know, Lord, well, you know, what are we going to do? We don't have 200 and there. We're going to give it. Uh, how are we going to feed them? Uh, and Jesus was teaching them how to trust Him. And it came through their involvement. You see, trust not only requires personal involvement, but trust also requires practical obedience. Obedience to God. It says, how many, what does Jesus say? How many loaves do you have? Right? He says, go and see. Go and see. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And so what did the disciples do? They were obedient. They went and saw. <laughs> they went and out of 5,000 people, what do they come up with? They come up with a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And they gathered it and they brought it to the Lord Jesus. And then what did Jesus say after that? He says, then He commanded them to sit down in groups on the ground. And they sat down in groups of 150. Why did they do that? Why did they sit down in these groups? I don't know. I think it was so they could count to see how many Jesus fed. You know, they counted groups of 100 and multiplied it out. Figured it out. I don't know. I just thought. But they obeyed the Lord Jesus Christ. And this big group sits down. And they divide up and they sit down. And they're gathered together. And Jesus has these uh, few, few loaves uh, he, and, and these few fish. And, and so I'm sure the disciples are saying, this is all we got. You know, you, you can't. They wouldn't that everybody won't even be able to get a crumb, right? I mean, if you try to divide this up and give it to the 5,000 men plus the women and children, they're not going to get anything. Uh, and Jesus took the loaves, and what's he saying? Trust. Trust me. Trust me. Jesus knew what he was going to do. And so he wanted the disciples to trust him. They were obedient. They didn't understand. But they, they kept being obedient. That's what we need to do. We're going to be faced with circumstances in our life when we just don't understand. But what do we need to do? We need to keep being obedient. We need to be, keep being involved. You know, as Garrison Baptist Church, my, my big thing is, how are we going to reach this, this town, this community for the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know and I don't understand, but what I do know is God wants to. And God is willing but what I need to do in my own life is just be there and be involved and be obedient and leave the results into His hands. If I'll be there and be involved and be obedient, then God will do miraculous things. And I'll be able to see what He's doing. And so that's what He's calling you and I to do today is to trust Him. Trust Him and be involved and trust Him and be obedient to Him and follow Him. So, Jesus was teaching His disciples to be trusting so that they would be able or be positioned to help meet other people's needs. Now, I want to just say straightforward to you this morning, 
If we don't trust Him, then we're not going to be effective in anything in His kingdom. If we're not involved, if we're not obedient to Him, how are we going to be able to serve Him? Well, let me give you one last thing about this passage and about how that all these things knit together for you and I to help meet other people's needs. Is not only do we need to be trusting, we need to be involved in teaching. You know, by the way, the teaching part of it, we're going to have a big week next week of teaching. Uh, a week from Sunday, we begin our vacation Bible school. As we begin our vacation Bible school, it's going to be the greatest opportunity maybe that we'll have to teach kids outside of our church. How wonderful is that? And so my question to you, are you going to be involved? Are you going to sit at home? Are you going to be obedient? Or are you going to tune what, what, what God's doing out? Uh, but the last thing I want to share with you is there has to be thanking or thanksgiving. If we're, if we're going to have the passion and the perseverance to continue a lifelong service to the Lord Jesus Christ, it will not happen apart from you and I having a thankful spirit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving opens up so much of our understanding, our concern, our compassion for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we ought to be thanking Him. Look what happened. Thanking God for His provision. What did Jesus do? I mean, He took these few loaves and these few fish. And what did He do? He thanked the Father in heaven for what He provided. Look at verse 41. And when He had taken the five loaves and two fish, He looked to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave it to the disciples to set before them, and the two fish He divided among them all. What did Jesus do? He gave thanks for what the Father provided. He, he took the the five loaves, and he took the two fish, and and he said, Father in heaven, hey, thank you for what you've given us. You know, Jesus didn't look into heaven and says, well, we're a little bit short, Father, or we really don't have what we really need, but we'll do the best we can with what you've given us, and we'll press on with what we have. Boy, and what Jesus said. Jesus said, thank you, Father, for what you've given us. And then God blessed what He was thanked for and He multiplied it to be sufficient, more than sufficient, for every need that everybody had there that day. You see, sometimes we come to God as believers and we say, Lord, I don't have very much. And I just got a little bit. And, you know, I really, I really, what I've got is really, you know, it's not important to the kingdom. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's so insignificant, I'm not even going to use it. I'm just going to uh, let others step up and take my place and uh, do, do what they want to do and do what needs to be done in my place and my state because I really don't have that much. I want to tell you what, if you're not thankful for what you have, then God will never bless it and multiply it and use it for great things. You see, we, look, we need to be thankful for the provision of God. If God has given you strength, to be here this morning, strength to serve Him, uh, it may be a little strength. 
You, you may be here this morning, you just got a little bit of faith. You say, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling right now because my faith is, isn't what it ought to be. I tell you, you know what? If you'll take that little bit of faith and if you'll thank God for it, God will multiply that faith. I remember a father who brought his son who was hurting, who had a need, who was suffering with an illness. And Jesus told the father, if you'll only believe. And the father said, help my unbelief. In other words, help my little bit of faith and that provision you've given me now and bless what I have now and multiply it for greater things. You see, we've got to be thanking God for what He's given us with the expectation that God's going to bless it and use it in incredible ways. But also, we need to thank God for His abundance. His abundance. You see what happened after they served this, this, this meal? It says, And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. And now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. You see the abundance. Listen, ministry is tough. It's sustaining it is even tougher. There are people on the sidelines who used to be on the front lines. Some of you here this morning used to be on the front line. I mean, you were active and you were involved. And you were serving the Lord here through the church. And for whatever reason, you've gotten on the sidelines. You, my life's gotten busy. Uh, my, my schedule's too full. Uh, the demands are too great. I don't know what they are. Or, uh, you know, I've gotten to be a certain age, right? Listen, I, you know, I've gone through all those ages, so you can't pull that on me. And <laughs> I know what it is to serve through all the ages. And I don't mean from the beginning of time. But I'm thinking about, I'm telling you about all the seasons of life. I know what it's like to be a young servant of God with a young family. And I know those demands and I know those hardships. I know what it's like to be a busy vocational pastor who had a job and a family and a church pastor. I know what it's like to be that busy. I know what it's like to get a little older and get a little tireder when you minister. It's not an excuse to move away from the front lines. I know what that's like. And I know how hard it is. But what sustains us is knowing that God is a God of abundance. That no matter what season in life we're in, we can't walk away from the front line to the sideline. But we've got to be on the tip of the spear for God's glory because God is an abundant God and He'll give us everything that we need. As we change seasons of life, God may change our ministry and our ministry focus. But that's okay. We still have to be on the front line and not the sideline. And one of the ways that gives us passion for that and that passion that sustains us is an understanding that God is a God of abundance and God is a God who does miracles. But we have to choose to see those things. They took up 12 baskets and the disciples learned a lesson about thanking God when they saw His abundance. You see, today, God encourages us and calls us believers to meet needs. 
There's a world out there just like this group that's scattered and confused. It's in danger and need defending. God has called us to be teachers and to trust Him and to always be thankful in our attitude toward Him. As we do that, we'll find what we need to stay on that front line for His glory and for His praise. Bow with me this morning. Let's pray.